When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Daily Thrones is on the air. It's a quick look at the world of ice and fire. Ken Napsack here. We had some great questions yesterday. We're going to carry over some of those discussions into today's show. Uh, like, what if uh, Rob Stark had ended up keeping his vows, keeping his promise, and married a Frey girl, most likely Rosalind Frey, we would think? Uh, what would have happened? We've got some scenarios. I talked about my love of the Game of Thrones maps, and we got a good discussion coming about lore versus war, and a great question about Jack and Agar in Tywin Lannister. It's Daily Thrones. Let's hear your talk. Let's hear your voices. Let's hear your calls. Hey, Ken. Um, I, like you, uh, am obsessed with maps. Um, uh, one of the coolest things I own for Game of Thrones is it's uh, five double-sided maps, uh, and each map depicts something different throughout Westeros. One is just north of the wall, one is King's Landing, one's just Westeros, etc. Um, but one of the coolest maps it comes with is called Journeys, and it's a map of the entire world. And there's a key with a listed amount of characters, and each one with a different colored line. And you can just see the journeys of all these different characters and how they've traveled throughout the first five books. Uh, it's one of the coolest to really delve into and kind of really see how far some of these characters have traveled, especially Tyrion. He's one of the most interesting ones to look at. Um, outside of that, I just love diving into Essos. There's just so much there, and it makes you realize there's this whole other continent. Um, it, it reminds me of kind of looking at a map of Asia. It's just so big. There's so much there. There's so much more to know. So Jeff is like me, and again, like I said yesterday, a lot of you, we love to study these Game of Thrones maps. And Jeff, I think we have the same book. I'm pulling off the shelf right now, The Lands of Ice and Fire. Guys, if you're, if you're Game of Thrones map nuts like me and Jeff, you got to get this book, The Lands of Ice and Fire. Uh, my, my book here has 12 maps that pulls out. Each map pulls out, and there's the journeys, like Jeff was mentioning, the different lands. And I agree. I, I love exploring Essos as well. I love looking north of the wall. A lot of mystery up there, but there's still a lot of mystery in Essos. And not a lot of mystery in Essos. There's a lot there. So it's fun to just explore and wonder what's going on there. Wonder what there, uh, in, in, the, in the deepest, uh, wide-open plains of, of Essos, are they worried about the Night King? Are they worried about the Iron Throne? Probably not. I love studying that stuff. So begs the question, what is your guys' favorite area to study? Do you have a particular section? Or is it the journeys? I, like Jeff, love to look at those maps that uh, have the journeys marked down. You can kind of really get a frame of reference of what was going on. Some of them, you know, Tyrion's, even with all his traveling, it makes sense. He's following certain passes, the Demon's Road, the, the Rhone River, all that kind of stuff. But watching uh, the storyline of, you know, Brienne, where she goes, you see how compact of an area she traveled over but also where exactly exactly she was in book or show it's it's fascinating to me so what is your favorite map to study what is your favorite area or is it maybe the history of the houses do you like reading that more are you that kind of game of thrones history now let us know here on daily thrones let's get deep let's get nerdy and kevin ross so to answer eric's question uh you got the military aspect of it yes rob is uh, is is Got a, uh, a complete stranglehold on the Riverlands and the North, but 
again, the Lannisters have the gold and the South has always had the military. They've always had control of the resources. So what does Tywin do? He pulls back to Castle Rock and King's Landing, sues for peace, and puts a political wedding together for Sansa and Jaime. Rob doesn't want to conquer all the Seven Kingdoms. He's simply trying to restore order. That's the difference. So uh, Tywin uh, marries Jaime off to Sansa. They go to Castle Rock. And Cersei begins, uh, in her mind, crazy revenge against Sansa. Thanks. So yesterday we were talking about what if Rob had stayed with the plan, married the Frey girl. And we talked about some of the ramifications on the war side of things. Uh, And again, uh, we know that the Red Wedding would then not happen. That would change the game. But I love what Kevin's doing here. He's countering. All right. So we know no Red Wedding's coming. Tywin wouldn't have his chance to get back at Rob and end the war that way. He would have to use other ways. And it is interesting to think that he would might try to arrange a marriage. And Jamie Lannister versus Sansa Stark, though improbable to think, especially in that time, that would make some sense. Jamie would be a worthy token, just like Sansa is a token. And that's how these marriages go, these political marriages. She is uh, now very powerful because of her position. She was a uh, prospect, so to speak, and I'm speaking frankly about these marriages in these times. That's why she would have, uh, that's what Joffrey and, and, her, and her made great sense on paper. So Jamie to Sansa, that's interesting. I could see that as a good counter. Could have worked any other way. Well, there's no other real tool there. Uh, you you couldn't uh, you couldn't see it happening like uh, the other way around if it was Cersei Lannister and Rob Stark that wouldn't necessarily work. Uh, well, actually, it wouldn't work because what am I saying? Rob would have married the Frey girl. That's the problem. Ah, oh, can't listen to your own topic. You guys know what I mean. Cersei wouldn't have had a good match within the Stark uh, family. Uh, she probably wasn't going to wait for uh, Rickon to come about. So, yeah, Jamie Lannister would have been the token. It would have been a good counter from Tywin. Tywin always seemed to be one move ahead. Something Cersei tries for. And I think uh, maybe she's learned the lesson. Took her a while, but you know what I mean. What is your guys' thoughts on this? What would Tywin have done to counter Rob Stark and the phrase? What would you have wanted to see happen and what marriage would you arrange here on Daily Thrones? Hey, Ken. Uh, your good buddy Mark over here. I was uh, just kind of listening in to uh, the last few calls, and Eric brought up that good uh, what-if scenario of what if Rob had married the Frey girl, how would it have gone? Heard your thoughts. Completely agree. Uh, and something else I was thinking about. In Season 2, when Arya meets our favorite faceless murderer, Jaqen Hagar. Uh, she names him three names. The third name she gave him was originally Tywin Lannister. And Jaqen says, this a man cannot do. And yet he said, death is certain, but time is not. But he still wouldn't kill Tywin. Why is that? I've never understood why Tywin was the one he, where he said he couldn't do that. Is there more to it? Did I miss something? Help me out with that, Ken, would you? Mark with a great call, and better yet, a great point. This is one of the little mysteries. Jack and Agar, pretty good at killing people. Yet, when Arya Stark 
scream Tywin Lannister's name out, wanting this third death to happen. Jacob Nagar was not on board for it. Now, watching it, just, you know, the gut reaction when you, when you see things like that happening, um, I kind of uh, took it as a time issue. Arya wanted it done right now. Now, the previous deaths on the show, uh, the deaths are a little bit different in the books, but I think generally it's the same discussion here. Uh, the deaths happened on Arya, excuse me, on Jagan's time frame, and they happened fast. Uh, so maybe that spoiled Arya a little bit. So I always took it as Jagan Hagar didn't have the time to kill Tywin. Telling Arya, this can't be rushed. It can't be on your schedule. It's kind of on Death's schedule. I'll get to it. I can't run and get to it right now. Uh, there was also the thought in my head, I remember watching it, that uh, all right, time might be a problem, but also access. Maybe there's some reality there. Now, the faceless men don't seem like they're going to be worried about access. You want them dead, we'll figure it out. But in that moment, again, with time being a factor, Jagan probably thought, this is too tough. I'm not going to risk this. What does this mean? You're screaming Tywin's name out for me to kill him? I can't do this right here, right now. So that's why I kind of always left it at. It was, a, it was an issue of of the circumstance, the context of the situation. But could there be something darker? Could Tywin Lannister, because of his connections with the Bank of Bravos, could something have happened where there was some also connection with the Faceless Men and Tywin was untouchable? And look, I don't think so. Jagan had no problem infiltrating the ranks of the Lannister army and then killing members of the Lannister army, including several so that Arya, Gendry, and Hot Pie could escape. No, no, that couldn't have been the problem, but it's fun to think. It's fun to think that Tywin's roots would go so deep into the soil of the world here that his claws would stretch that far and go so deep. I like the idea. Are the faceless men in the Bank of Bravos connected? Not necessarily, but money is powerful even in this land, and the Bank of Bravos is pretty darn powerful, rivaled maybe only by... The House of Black and White and the Faithless Men. I have to believe that there's some possibility that Tywin Lannister was untouchable. But for now, I consider it just the situation. Too fast, too soon, too protected. Sorry, Arya. I can't kill Tywin. Hey, Ken. So I'm still on a high from the Last Jedi trailer, and I wanted to ask a Star Wars-inspired question about Game of Thrones. I was listening to your Force Center podcast on the newest trailer, and you mentioned your common phrase, the lore versus the war. As you've discussed before, that phrase applies very well to Game of Thrones and A World of Ice and Fire in general. Now, my question is, should George R.R. Martin have focused on the war instead of the lore? Now, by the lore, I mean all the back history of all the minor characters and all the houses and f how he fleshed that out so well that there are actual history books about these houses, such as the book Fire and Blood, which is coming out before the Winds of Winter. And by war, I mean focusing on the main series, the main characters. I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Ken, and I would like to challenge other callers to ask more Star Wars-related questions about Game of Thrones. Closing out today with a great thought starter from Billy about lore versus war. He's right. If you listen to me over on Force Center, our Star Wars feed over there with Joseph and Jennifer, I mention a lot this thing of lore versus the war. It comes from this idea. I was a Star Wars fan very young, and quite frankly, I was drawn in 
to the war aspect of it, the Star Wars. Yes, there was Jedi and Sith or some kind of dark side. They had cool lightsabers and there was a history there, but I, I wasn't drawn to that. Han Solo was my favorite character. I love Princess Leia. I love Lando. I love Neenum. I love Admiral Akbar. I loved the guys fighting the wars, and I was obsessed with, still am to a certain degree, the Imperial officers, Veers, Piet, Moff Jar Gerard, Governor Tarkin, all these characters. I was, I was there for the battle. There's a lot of lore to Star Wars, and the lore has expanded. George Lucas put in a lot of that, but it's uh, been other generations of authors and storytellers and fans that have added to that lore. Uh, whether it's Legends or New Canon or anything, there's a lot of lore there. Uh, but that's why I'm not a fan of the Old Republic. That's right, we're going deep here on Star Wars Talk on a Game of Thrones show. But I, 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 now I'll take it back. I, I like the Old Republic. I love the concept. I get it exists within the lore. I read the first Darth Bane, Bane book by Drew Carpetian. It's great. But I'm not drawn to that as much as the current battle going on between the rebels and the Empire, or now the resistance and the First Order. I'm drawn to that. In Game of Thrones, oddly enough, I seem to be drawn to the lore more. I get caught up in it more. But I think the war in this case would be the battle and the politics for the throne. And I'm interested in that. But there is a little bit of a change for me as a fan when I look at Game of Thrones. I was drawn in by it all. By the politics. It's fascinating. And there's a lore to the politics. There's a lore to the war for the throne in Game of Thrones. But the lore, right from the beginning, probably because the White Walkers are there 30 seconds into the start of this story, I was interested in the lore because the lore in Game of Thrones, the lore in A Song of Ice and Fire, seems to be affecting the war now. Sometimes I think the lore in Star Wars, Jedi, Sith, doesn't necessarily have to do with what's going on between the First Order, the Empire in the old days, even the Separatists and the, and the Clone Wars, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it relates for sure because the Sith are trying to control the galaxy, the Jedi trying to defend it, all that stuff, but it's a little different. Where I think a lot of the stuff going on for the Game of Thrones is just about who's going to be sitting on there when the Night King comes down and to defeat the Night King even in story, in the world of Westeros, you need to know your own world's lore. It might unlock clues to defeat it. So to Billy's question, should George Martin have focused more on the war than the lore? I actually think no. I think he did it right. The lore is an influencing the war. It is a little different. But I do love them both. What do you guys think? It's a great conversation. I'm sure you guys have a lot to say on it. Call in here to Daily Thrones. Favorite the station. Listen to the daily podcast. That really helps. Spread the word. Share the station. Share the podcast feed. Get the word out. Daily Thrones. We're here for you talking Game of Thrones all the way up and hopefully beyond Season 8. See you guys tomorrow.